Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Fenced In podcast. Uh, you're here with myself, Chris, and Ben once again, but you should know that by now. Uh, two GB international foilists and also coach and student. I'm the student and Ben is my maestro. How are you doing, Ben? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little bit like clammy and hot today. It's, it's this horrible, muggy weather. It, the, London at the moment is a very, very, very odd place to be. We went through this crazy heat wave and now we've got, um, you know, they had a horrible downpour for a few weeks and, and, and now it's this muggy, awful weather. So, uh, I'm all right. I just I could do with a bit of a breeze, to be honest, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well. I've got to say I'm not. I don't feel like I'm suffering from the same thing as you, but I, you know, I'm very happy. I feel like it's starting to get too cold. I quite like it when it's 27 degrees. Oh, don't say that. You're gonna start making me worried that I've got COVID now, having a temperature and feeling a bit hot and sweaty. It's uh... <laughs> <laughs> just two of us, no guests. Just uh, I thought it would be good if we got back to talking about fencing and actually more specifically. Uh, the, a return to fencing now that it's been given the green light by British fencing and the UK government. Uh, clubs over here are starting to open up again, um, although with sensible restrictions in place. And I know that your club has started to open up again, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been it's been really good uh, to kind of have some stuff put in by the government to say that you know basically sports clubs can open up again in 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 whatever capacity that is. So it was the kind of lull before the storm and then we kind of got that green light and I think that everybody in, in British fencing kind of jumped up and went woohoo this is great and then everyone went oh how are we going to do this um, and so it was about trying to return to, to, to fencing safely um, you know how, how was the national teams going to return to training safely and, and, and actually that's you know kind of for a lot of places they didn't open up immediately um, and it was just kind of some kind of return for a, a national squad meetup, whether that be, you know, kind of conditioning sessions in the park or whatever. It was kind of just get it, getting the, the, the some of the main teams back together again. But a lot of the clubs were still based out of schools. And so, to be honest, for when, when we kind of got that first um, green light, the, it wasn't like, oh, great, suddenly clubs are open again and everything was back to normal. It was very much like, well, hang on a minute, how are we now going to do this? And certainly for, for, for our club, we had a situation where we're in a girls' school um, down in Rickmansworth. And so they, they said, look, you know, you are you can't come back at the moment. We haven't got the school back. How do you expect us to let the public in if we haven't got, you know, a thousand girls back in the school yet? So, um, yeah, it was quite a challenging time. And so then suddenly it's like, well, great. We want to bring our athletes back. Um, and we want to generate revenue again. Um, and, and we want to, you know, have our sense of community again, but we've no longer got a venue and that kind of stuff. So it became quite a challenging uh, moment to and scrambling to the deck to try and find venues that would allow. And, and, and so, you know, we were very fortunate enough to find another venue, one of the, uh, you know, between the, amongst the, the work of the coaching uh, team and, and a couple of really helpful parents, we managed to find ourselves a venue in the interim period. It, it's changed a lot of um the uh the, the setup we've usually had but we're hoping to return to our usual venue as of october but yeah god for a lot of places it, it was actually it caused a headache for those of you that don't know i represent a different club to ben uh, ben represents fencing club london where he is an athlete and a coach and i represent the saxon fencing club in west london saxon is known for fencing throughout the year so they don't really stop they only fence once a week and 
their usual venue has been in the same boat. So they're still shut. They might not open again until October or November. And in the meantime, they've had to find another hall that they have used sometimes in the past and they've been using that. But actually, it's just, to be honest, I think it's just so brilliant that some clubs have been able to open again uh, with so much uncertainty. And actually, there's been some really good guidance from British Fencing about, you know, appointing COVID-19 officers and making sure you know, the training space is a safe environment. As you say, I, I haven't been back to fencing yet. I'm actually going tomorrow for my first time. I've had a few lessons with Ben, but uh, I don't really know what to expect. I want to just enjoy it, considering it's been seven months now. Uh, <laughs> and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, completely. And and uh, actually, what was uh, what was quite funny is you and I nearly did the podcast in the same room tonight, but um, due to some slight logistical uh, hiccups, we've uh, we're we're still at opposite houses, but um, we nearly thought we were actually uh, gonna, yeah, have a podcast together in the same room and and and, and just talk like like the old days, you know. But um, yeah. Well, yeah, we did get a lesson in, which was great, and I think you're uh, looking sharp to return uh, to return to club. But it, it's quite a, a strange, a strange world because I said when when clubs opened up again, it, it suddenly caused a logistical nightmare because there was the ability to open up, but then there was obviously schools and, and other factors, and and actually. The other thing is that some people are actually quite nervous about returning to fencing. I, you know, I know that in some of the training that I'm doing, you know, it, it, there's quite a lot that, that gets surrounded by that. You know, the, the training that, 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 that I'm involved in, you know, requires a kind of a form to be filled out every single day about whether I'm healthy or not and, and regular temperature chest testing. We're doing the same thing at the clubs. You know, we've got a heat gun. So when the kids come in, they're getting um, heat tested before they even walk through the door of the building to make sure they're healthy and they can only come in the pods that 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 they've been allocated that night and, and so actually for a lot of people that's quite a daunting experience to go back to your fencing club and not just to kind of walk to the door and see your mates again but almost airport security kind of return to training and, and actually we were very fortunate the club managed to um, to run its summer camp this year and, and it wasn't the summer camp we initially thought it was going to be we planned to have international athletes come over and all kinds of things but actually I think we, we arguably had one of the best camps ever because so many kids wanted to return to fencing. So many kids that clubs weren't open yet jumped at the opportunity to come to a summer camp that was being run. Um, but, you know, we had to write uh, a whole, when I say we, uh, there was, we've, we've got a, a father at our, at our club. He, he works the NHS. He's an incredible guy. He's done a lot of like help and work um, at the club. And, and he actually wrote our risk assessment and that was one of the key things we put in place to make sure that anything that you know was being done was done safe and done in accordance with the government guidelines and British fencing guidelines. And we got that checked off. And that was it was difficult. And even finding a venue for that and sourcing equipment and making sure the equipment had been left in quarantine for a little while. So there was no chance of people picking up things from that. And then every day having to put the kids into pods to make sure that they were, you know, and even little things like kind of. In the evening sessions, work club normally you can only have pods of six. But if it was a, a few weeks ago when we had the summer camp, there was government legislation to say that actually during summer camps during the day you can have pods as big as fourteen, providing the athletes are under eighteen. So you're suddenly navigating this minefield of rules and regulations, which can cause you know a lot of stress and anxiety because the last thing you want to do is get it wrong because if someone gets ill, you're liable. And and, and you know it has been actually a very scary process for a lot of coaches, a lot of um, students, a, a lot of people that want to get back into fencing, especially in the UK. We have a lot of recreational fencing done and we have some some elderly people that, that are involved in fencing, a lot of veteran fencers who 
are very fit and very healthy. But of course, their age bracket means they are more susceptible to, you know, complications with COVID. And so the idea of them returning to training must have also been quite, quite scary. And so I think what seemed to be a kind of like amazing moment actually turned into, wow, actually, this is this doesn't feel as comfortable as we thought it was going to be, you know? Well, I mean, well done to, to all of you for having sorted that out. But there's a key question I want to know. Did anybody do what I did and not remember how to put on your jacket? <laughs> yeah, I really came out today. Yeah, it, it doesn't go on like a coat, mate, anymore. <laughs> no, do you know, like I said, I haven't put one on in seven months. And I thought, you know, whenever I've never really had a break this long, but you always think, you know, inevitably you forget something from your bag or, you know, if you haven't been for a while. And I put on my jacket because I've had a, my company logo printed on the arm. And I, I'm not joking. I forgot about the leg loop. I tried to put it on backwards. I was like, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> this is good. I'm going to have to arrive half an hour early tomorrow just to get dressed, I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, it's almost like one of those beginners that you kind of talk about. Like, whatever you do, whenever you get changed, make sure you put your foot to the loop. No, I know what you mean. It, for me, it was the organizational process. You know, I like to be a man that's quite organized. Um, and so putting, putting my kit bag together, it was something like, wow, the checklist that's, that's usually in my head and knows exactly what needs to go in has to be refined all of a sudden. So that was quite a scary process. And, and you know, what, what's amazing is that, you know, Chris and I have, have, have been doing lots of physical training over lockdown. Um, and, um, you know, so much so that uh, Chris proud, proudly holds a, a one second um, uh, advantage over me on the 5Ks now. Um, which, it, took, which... it only took me three months longer than you. Uh, nonetheless nonetheless the uh credit where credit's due mate you smashed it and so you know we've been we've been very fit we've been very active you know i've been hitting my dummy dummy out on the balcony you've been hitting your carpet against the wall you know we've been doing speed agility drills that kind of stuff but what amazed and astounded me is that when i did return to fencing and even return to to lessons with my coaching um team is that actually the, the 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 thinking that's done on the piece and the amount of kit they're wearing and the effort that goes into it sometimes it feels like no form of physical training can ever replicate how hard you have to work on the piece. And man, it was exhausting. We were going back and just doing fives and the, you know, we were pulling amazing times in the five Ks. We've been doing nearly six weeks of squad conditioning down that, um, uh, down at a track, uh, making sure that we were in really good shape. Um, you know, we were probably in, in the best physical shape we've been for a long time. And yet we got on the piece and after, you know, maybe, maybe two sets of, of, of five hits, we were punch drunk. It was really, really odd to see. I mean, look, it only took a few weeks for that suddenly to come back. But it was it was kind of the, the, the for me, the biggest thing was the tactical evaluations and the tactical thinking on the piece. And and that using so much brain power, you know, your body was then getting tired because of it. The one thing that I did, uh, I did suddenly realize is that I forgot how to hold a score in my head. The amount of times I kept forgetting people's scores when we were refereeing, we'd go on, we'd fence, they'd come off and... Uh, we'll, be, we'll, be, we'll be sitting there and, and, and you know, they'll be like, what's the score? But, uh, three, two? They're like, uh, no, is it two, one? Or, you know, we just couldn't remember scores for love and money. It was the strangest thing. But, yeah, it, 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 it's been taken a few weeks for us to get fencing fit again. That, for me, was the biggest the biggest thing. Yeah, and there's so much we take for granted. I didn't even thought about scores. I mean, you know, in our lesson earlier, it was quite, it's not the first lesson we've had, but I, suddenly today I was so aware of how not present I was at times you know I, I was thinking right we're doing this doing this do it properly oh look a butterfly and you know <laughs> I mean, we're in a car park so it's not a butterfly but there was something else something that popped into my head that I hadn't thought of in weeks 
you know, and just actually just, park. yeah, 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 exactly. But just, you know, just staying there and staying present. And also just on that note, I mean, it's, you know, when I was in Cape Town last year, I fenced once a week. And actually, I think the reality of that is because some sessions were cancelled, you know, what, whatever day in the week I fenced moved, it might have been Monday, one week, one day or one week, and then the Friday, the following week. So really, you're fencing once every 10 days or so. And when I came back to the UK, my first session back at South Boston, my God, I mean, I think after 45 minutes, I was dead. And again, I was probably in the shape of my life. I just wasn't fencing fit. I'd I'd done all the conditioning, I'd done everything. But there's, you know, sometimes there's just no replica for actually (laughs) doing, you know, the technical work and actually being on the piece and doing lessons. And, you know, you can't really replicate that, um, you know, in the longer term, which, Ben, brings me on to a question for you. Oh, yeah. So considering you've had or we've all had such a long pre pre-season and then pre-season <laughs> how are you feeling did you feel ready to get back into it physically emotionally um or you know the the training that you did presumably you felt like that was worthwhile or do you feel like that was just kind of keeping things ticking over do you think you made gains in that time to, to tell me about that yeah it's odd it's strange you mention it because i i do feel um that i was i was um apprehensive going back to the training that, that I was involved in and, and I think that but it was a it was a good apprehension it was like excitement but also just a kind of little bit of like wow I haven't done this for five months um and so I was motivated but but apprehensive and I think that's quite normal when I spoke to to my physio about it he said look you know this is kind of expected right you know so and then we went to uh, did my first training session and, and we were you know we were all garbage and it was it was it was it was quite funny um but at the same time, I felt still that, you know, holding a foil in my hand wasn't alien because I had been picking one up every week and hitting a dummy. But nothing, I think, replicates somebody else beating the blade back or the resistance of another blade when you're when, when you know, when you're using when you're using a dummy or even just a dummy with an arm. You know, you beat the blade and, and it obviously, you know, gives way to a certain extent, even no matter how strong you make the dummy. Whereas when you're fighting another human being. So that, that was the other thing that kind of really struck me um which, which was you know just the amount of stress um through technique that is kind of needed and the strength through technique is needed as well so that was kind of lost um and and tactical thinking um was also uh, took longer and i think the concentration um just wasn't there at the same level because i think even when i've been working on the dummy it became very much repetitive work um and so your brain kind of gets lazy so to speak so that was all for me kind of like new but at least i knew the thing i could i they didn't feel alien getting into the fencing position and moving and, and and actually doing the fencing which was quite good and that gave me quite a lot of of um of, of of kind of like motivation which was good but i did find um it was a bit stop start returning to fencing because then we obviously had the the summer camp that i, I was involved in uh with the club and there was another summer camp that i did with a bit of coaching as well, because, you know, these are really great times to be able to get some of the kids back to the club and get them fencing again. And, and also, you know, as, as an unfunded sport generates some, some, some profit for the season. So, you know, they were, they were, and it's part of my, my, basically it is what my job is aside from being a, a, a professional athlete. Um, and so I, you know, I had to get my work done because you can't fund the season on, on, on no money being an unfunded sport. So, you know, there was all those things. So it was a bit stop start. It was kind of return to training one week, go off to training camp to coach for, another week return again and then go away and then actually um you know decided to as things started to ease go away on 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 holiday with my girlfriend for a few days so we did that which was amazing fun so the kind of return was a bit stop start and i think in that time 
a couple of the other guys I was training with had had more consistency in their training. And so we're starting to feel it a bit more. And so I kind of hit a bit of a, a slump and a, a quite a, a demotivation de because I was like, well, things just aren't coming back as I thought they would be. And it became quite um, a negative mindset. And actually, I had to be a lot kinder to myself. Um, I, I think, and kind of understand where I was. And, and also, you know, what's on the horizon is nothing to panic about, nothing to, to, to be chasing in the, in the immediate future. So actually just return and keep training and it will come and however long it takes, it will take. And, and I suppose for me, that was the kind of, uh, I got back to a nice balance in my mindset, which was, and it was really interesting how we only were training three times a week, but it was one, you know, the first day training, first back training was rubbish. Uh, and the second day, you start to feel it better. And by the third day, I felt felt really good. And then you'd have a few days off and then you'd, you'd go through the whole cycle again. So I started to notice patterns, which eased my mind slightly. But unfortunately, just as I started to feel the swing of things again, during a conditioning session, um, I managed to give myself quite a ham nasty hamstring injury, um, which was, uh, I think, probably due to me not really periodizing things as well as I could have done. Um, so I have I've, I've had access to a weights room again, which has been good, good to, to use a, a, a kind of performance gym and strength and conditioning. And even when I've been in lockdown, I've been doing a lot of running like you, Chris, I've been doing a lot of speed agility stuff. And we've been doing weighted exercises, but basically all we have at home. Right. But we know that doing what you've got at home, even if you've got 30, 40, 50 K, you know, kilos of weight at home is great. But that doesn't replicate, you know, being in a performance gym where you have nearly 300 kilos of weight. So going back into the gym and doing some 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 weights again was great but it all came together very fast too early i would say kind of a lot of physical training over lockdown which was great but then immediately adding in sparring um adding in more kind of like sprint conditioning work and, and then lessons on top of that as well and then you know lots and lots of sparring and so it all accumulated to one day on a wet track going for sprints um giving myself a, a, a very 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 minor um but still somewhat significant um hamstring injury so actually it's been quite funny i have spent all of last week taking basically standing still lessons from from my coaching team and and only um two weeks later have i been able to get back to some sparring with very very limited movement and limited power and stuff like that so it's been quite a turbulent return to fencing but yet my mind probably feels better than it has for a while just because I'm starting to get back to the routine again and even though it's been a very stop start routine I think my mind has that click that switch has turned back on now which is okay we're now back at it we're back in it and that's taken well a month and a half and that, that's scary you know yeah definitely no no and it take, it does take a while to get back into it um you know as I said I, I I've definitely found you know between training by myself in the garage and even just having a lesson you know the instinct having the right timing make a decision you know it's all there but something I found really helpful recently um obviously I don't have access to heavy weights or anything at home I'd love to but resistance bands and the joys of resistance bands and how they can help with uh you know press-ups squats all sorts of other exercises things that you know that really help and you know if you find that with the whatever weights you've got at home you know I've got 16 kilogram uh kettlebell that only goes so far but being able to add a resistance band into that really you know really makes you work a bit harder and that's you know that's quite good and i think something you've touched on is the periodization of training and something i definitely recommend to people that are going back to fencing and to sparring after not having done it for a while which is something 
I'm struggling to to keep myself in check for this week, I think, is to not push yourself too hard just before you go back. You know, kind of almost take it easy, do less than you want, because like we said in one of our first episodes, I think kind of sparring is king. And whatever you do, you don't want to affect your sparring. And especially if you've only got one session a week or two sessions a week, or it's your first one in months, you want to just be able to enjoy it and do what you feel like you can do and not be tired and feel like you're already chasing something because that that's only going to lead to one thing and that's a lack of enjoyment which is definitely not where we're at like you said there's nothing on the horizon so it's not like we're chasing anything we're not necessarily targeting anything that that has its own challenges but that we've spoken about before but um you know it it does just mean that for the time being we can literally just enjoy which i'm sure i'll still feel tomorrow evening after my session even if immediately after i'm sure i'll feel <laughs> a bit down about <laughs> what i've been how i've been doing it so this weekend there was an amazing uh, formula one grand prix to anybody that watches formula one and carlos signs who drives from mclaren came second he was chasing his maiden win he got very close to getting it and the mclarens haven't been that close to winning a race in years now and afterwards he said you know right now he's feeling rage even though it's a great performance right you know in the moment the adrenaline all he could feel was like Oh, I missed out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you're right, Chris. I think I think you've hit the nail on the head there, which is it's really easy to get sucked into, oh, my God, I can go back fencing. I love fencing so much. I want to do as much fencing as I can. But actually, I think a lot of people have, uh, need to realise quite how adapted we are as human beings to the sport that we do when we've been doing it for a long period of time. And actually, no matter what compensation-based work that we've been doing during lockdown to aid our return back to fencing getting on the piece um is is a very different kettle of fish um and, and i think that people need to understand that everybody will return to fencing at different rates as well it's really interesting how you get those people who return to fencing and seem to adapt exceptionally quickly and those that, that don't as well. And actually not to be too worried and looking around at what people are doing or how people are making adaptions or how well people are fencing. We don't know per people's situations or circumstances or what they've been up to. And all we can go on is our own progress and how we're feeling. I know uh, amongst the squad and other people that I've been from training with, you know, we've had a whole cross section of, of, of ability in terms of return, but I know that we will all come back to a, a relative equilibrium so it's really easy to get caught up on the kind of just chasing getting back as fast as you can but i think as you say if you focus on yourself and your own development but actually most importantly as you say chris in, enjoy it what always makes me laugh is i really love the gambling slow go um slow slow go <laughs> the gambling slogan slow go, slogan, <laughs> uh, slow go. The, the gambling slogan that goes around which is when the fun stops stop and actually, you know what? Right now, that's a really good thing for fencing. When you go to fencing, when you go to training, start doing everything you would usually do in terms of enjoying yourself at the club. But the minute you start to get annoyed, frustrated, angry, just stop, walk away. And actually, the, the, the bit that you should do is when you're feeling really good at club and it's getting towards the end of the club and you think, oh, yeah, this feels really good. I'm feeling great. Yeah, we've got half an hour left. I don't have to squeeze one fight in. Don't. Take your kit off. You've had a great session. Do a longer stretch or something like that because it's very easy at the moment to come out of this feeling really demotivated because a session hasn't gone well or you're struggling to return to fine form or you're getting beaten by people that you don't usually get beaten by or you can't put your socks on the right feet. It's all very, very normal. 
But if you are finding you're having a lot of enjoyment, perfect. Like, run with it. But don't feel you've got to get caught in one more fight syndrome. Get to the end of the evening, maybe stop early and go, do you know what? That was great. I really enjoyed that. Because that, in the, in the long term, will really, really, really help. But, I mean, how are you feeling about tomorrow? We get, you, know, you had a really strong lesson this evening. And, and, and you know, you're... You're 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 looking in good form and and everything's still there. And are, are you kind of apprehensive? How are you feeling about your like pro- your properly first session tomorrow? I'm just going to loop back around to what you're saying really quickly. Is I think now is a really good opportunity and moment to start building good habits back in because I I you know in my own sessions at home training I've you know gotten a bit slack on my warm ups. Um, you know, so tomorrow for example, just to answer your question, I, I'm really looking forward to it actually. It's I'm slightly apprehensive. I feel much better for having had a lesson tonight. That'll be great. Uh, well, that was great. And I think tomorrow will, will be really good. It'll be good to see familiar faces again. You know, obviously, we've got lots of protocols in place to make sure that everybody stays safe. And, you know, there's a minimal uh, amount of risk between everybody. But I think I think it will be really good. I don't really know what to expect. Uh, but I don't have butterflies like I did the night before our first lesson. Yeah. <laughs> again, in, in kind of months and months. So that's a good sign. And to be honest, my biggest thing is right now I'm looking at my kit bag and thinking, oh, man, I need to clean my foils yeah, <laughs> before yeah, yeah. tomorrow. It'd be awful to go and and, and have nothing that works. Um, but I know I, I think it will I think it'll be really good. You know, I have a few questions. I, you know, it's just worry about the unknown. You know, the session is shorter. You know, it, normally your Thursday night is three hours long. Tomorrow it's two hours. It's in a hall that. Uh, you know I've used a bit that isn't the regular hall um, to do obviously I haven't been before so I don't know how warming up works do I need to arrive in my kit and I, I want to make sure that I still have the habit um, that I had beforehand you know warming down afterwards can I still do that there probably not so I have to do it when I get home that's all right but it, you know as you I think a bit like you I'm quite I like to think of myself as quite an organized athlete so what I really need to do is I, I've started thinking about these things already um you know how i'm going to do certain things obviously you can't shower there at least i don't think so it would make sense if i couldn't um yeah. actually i probably wouldn't want to anyway so <laughs> i'll do that but you know again maybe these are really good opportunities to kind of do do some more things outside where tomorrow's a rugby club actually so maybe i can you know run around the car park or on the pitch outside for a bit before being ready but there are just there are so many unknowns so many questions that will be answered once i've been but for now it feels like it's been so long and it's such an unknown environment that I don't really know what to expect. You know, I, I'm not too worried about my fencing. Like I said I just want to enjoy it and, and kind of, you know, feel a bit free. And, and yeah, fencing for me has always been somewhere where I don't have to think. And, yeah. you know, in bad times in the past and in good times, you know, it's been a place where I can get away from work. It's a place where I don't, you know, you, you never had to think about money worries or anything you know family trouble or anything that was going on in your life it was just somewhere where you could you could just be and just enjoy and that that's never really changed it's pure enjoyment it's a real passion and I just want to be able to you know to continue that and have a laugh and and really enjoy it because as you said if you if you don't then what's the point yeah completely and I I think it's you know getting back to that community sense as well and seeing your mates and and, and being involved in something you love um you know I, I would say that this is a really good opportunity to kind of experience what we experience at competition you know kind of going to a venue you don't know going to a new city that you haven't been to before and and kind of you know literally walking into what feels like the unknown for some competitions okay for some athletes they 
through a circuit and they're very much used to it but it is also for them for their worlds and europeans you know we've been in many different cities for our worlds and europeans you know but we go to the same venue for the paris world cup each year so it's different but for some for some youngsters or for some junior athletes things change so actually this is a good time to see this as a kind of way to be uh, you know to adapt in, in every situation and you know kind of just i think most people should see their first club night as exploration go down there see what it's all about follow the coach's advice uh, and you know follow senior club athlete kind of advice and, and and just just understand how you say chris as to, to how the night's going to run it's you know and even at, at sometimes it will be getting back in a room probably getting a briefing being told about what's going on and it might even be very limited fencing you might not feel you've actually worked that hard or done that much because as you say there's shorter time um and and there's more times needed to get everyone through the door um and health screen beforehand and and even you know leaving and making sure people are hand sanitizing and the kits being cleaned and all that kind of stuff I, i've used more hand sanitizer in the last six months than, uh, than i know what to do with and the amount of squirty bottles that we have going around and having to clean down all the kit after every use it it puts more burden on the coach as well when when they're having to look after the session because the last thing anybody wants is someone to get ill at the session um, and then the clubs be closed down. So, but I would say the British fencing have done a fantastic job of kind of helping give guidance to, um, you know, to, to, to coaches and stuff. And, and I think that if anybody or any coaches out there that are looking for more guidance on how their clubs can return to, uh, to, to some kind of activity, it's best to get in contact with British fencing, uh, check out the website, or even just get in contact with clubs that you know have reopened and ask how they're doing things. Um, I, I know one of, the, one of the camps that I did prior to the FCL one, um, even though F- FCL was as a group of coaches, we were we were quite organised in what we wanted to do and how we wanted to run the summer camp in terms of the health screening and things like that. We still, you know, I st- I still use the kind of first summer camp I did as a as a, a voyage of exploration, which is right. So how 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 are we doing it here? How is this gonna? What kind of regulations are there? And that that was in a, a different um, home nation. That was actually in Scotland, so the regulations were different. So for for every for every bit of information we know in England, that could be different for Wales and for Scotland and even for Ireland. So just also make sure that geographically we know what those those different rules are in, in different places. I know in Scotland for a while, over 18s couldn't fence um, and under 18s could fence, but only outside. So believe me, trying to get kids to fence in Scotland outside when um, it is quite tricky at the best of times because the weather up there is not too too easy. We, we were we were um, we were chasing gazebos down the uh down across a pitch at one point but um we did have some good days as well but uh you know it has been tricky this hasn't been easy and this is going to make us more resilient and and tougher because of it but um i think young athletes need to see this as an opportunity to, to grow and, and 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 adapt to situations and coaches need to see this as an opportunity to strengthen their club and have a better sense of community and also make sure their protocols are you know really good and really strong and yeah and to continue their trade yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of a lot of top coaches use coaching as their you know their 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 livelihood. This is what they do. It's their profession. So they earn money from this. And so for them, it it means they have to be even more professional. Because ultimately, if they get shut down, they're losing you know their main source of their income. So yeah, um, yeah, it, it, it's 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 a minefield. But at the same time, like we are getting there. And unfortunately, I know there's been a bit of a a, a kind of u-turn on on gatherings of, of people i know boris spoke today actually about what that kind of entailed they did allude to the fact that sports teams in some capacity are exempt from that however i know british fencing are working very hard over the next 24 hours to make sure that um 
it's absolutely crystal clear about um, what what effect or lack of effect that may have um, on the community. So I just think it, it, people have to stay vigilant as well and, and be regularly checking the web website updates. Um, and if you can get yourself on the on the email list, British Fencing send out a really good email um, every couple of weeks just to kind of give you an idea of what's been changing, what's adapting. Um, and, and that will obviously be different for each kind of home nation in the UK. So, yeah. yeah Actually, on, on that point, do we know, I, I haven't really checked, I know Wales weren't allowed to fence um, when the England opened up again. Is that still the case? I don't know. It's a good question, actually. I haven't I haven't checked Wales. We should probably get on the phone to Ethan and give him a, him, him a call and see yeah. what he's, <laughs> he's saying. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't know if, I, if I'm honest. Um, but it's really interesting because when I went to Wales on holiday with, with my girlfriend, we didn't have to wear masks in the in the supermarkets. It wasn't mandatory. I mean, we did. But, you know, it's very strange going to what is the rest of the UK and there being different different um, rules and regulations. And obviously that is the same with sport as well. So, yeah, make sure if you're you know, someone like, for example, Dan Robinson, who uh, is a close friend of mine and and, and, um, and his, his soon-to-be wife, uh, Sophie, we managed to get uh, to see them, actually, on, on, on the last day of our holiday. And, and we were talking about, you know, how, how things are. And they literally live on the border between England and Wales. And so, you know, they do some work in England and they do some, some, some work in Wales. And so they have to be exceptionally careful about literally crossing the border and what applies to one home nation and what applies to the other. So, yeah, for, for coaches out there that are potentially working over the border, um for different you know please you know please make sure that you're you're checking and i know like you know i do a lot of work with wheelchair guys as well and and, and they've they've returned, returned in some capacity as well to their national training but they you know they are an even stricter bubble because they are obviously some of those guys can could be considered in in, in high risk so you know their bubble's really strict there is if any of the any anybody in that bubble can't go and see any other bubble so it's it's uh that's really tricky for for coaches to kind of want to work with other athletes they have, but also get access to um, higher risk groups, you know, like, like, like those guys. So unfortunately I haven't been able to see uh, Demetri or Ollie for a while, but um, you know, it's obviously all in best practice and making sure they're well looked after and they're back at training. So yeah, it's, it, it's not easy. And I, I just think people have got to keep their eyes peeled because it's an ever changing ball game, you know? Now I've got another question that I've got written down that I, I've definitely wondered at times and I, I'm sure everyone else has as well as well it's just looping back around to fitness you know that feeling when you've been training hard and then you're starting to struggle how do you know whether you're unfit or just need a break you know for example if you're running consistently quick times and now they're slower which is something that's happened to me how do you measure whether you're just fatigued and need a break or whether actually you're kind of not training enough and therefore less fit is that that's something you must have come across in the past this is why training diaries are so important um, it's all it's all about evidence, you know. So if you've been training really hard for X amount of weeks, there is a very high likelihood that you are you are fit, right? So if you've been training for two months solid, there is a very very high, unless you know you class training as 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 getting up and walking to the shops and back again and sitting on the sofa with a with a you know a, a box of chocolates or something as training, then you're doing it massively wrong. But if if you if you are training hard, um, you know five to six days a week, um, you know for two months you know, straight, you, there's a very high likelihood to be fit. If you start to then see plateaus in, in what you're doing, then that's usually a, a big indicator that actually you're not making those gains. And so the program may need to change or you may need to rest. If you start to see a dip, there's an absolute time for recovery. And so that's why recovery is hugely important to monitor in itself. Um, you know, with Chris, like, you know, like you, when you've been training really hard um, with a young daughter, suddenly, 
you know, you, even though you think you're getting some rest because you're at home with the family, which is great. Sometimes, you know, uh, Esme is full of beans and that means that you might have to, you know, give, give some, some attention to her, which is not always like the most adequate recovery. But that's life. That's part of it. It's the same way I know that am I getting the most adequate recovery when I've got a three hour coaching session in the evening? Probably not. So you have to really look at the quality of rest that you're getting. And, and, and those hours add up. Uh, and if they if they're not adding up enough then you can start to see how you're tanking out of the tank but you're not kind of replacing and so don't necessarily worry like oh i'm unfit if you're pulling good times on runs or you know you're you're racking up a lot of training hours um a week um or, or whatever it is whatever your measurement is if you then start to find you're exhausted constantly and and that goes along the lines of not just when you're doing activity but are you feeling you know demotivated that's a, a usual uh, sign of like very chronic fatigue and actually temperature is a good measurement as well um pulse rate is the other thing that's really good so you know we all have a have a, a, a pulse rate that is a if you're a, an athlete ranges i'm sure between kind of you know like the low 30s right up through to kind of like maybe the high 40s if you if you're if you're a good quality athlete what what's but, yours do you know where yours is I don't know. Last time we measured it, I think I might have been, I can't quite remember. I think it was down at about 42, something like that. Uh, that's um, quite good going. I, I did mine the other day and it, uh, 46, I think, is kind of the lowest I've been at. But oh, no. sometimes it dips up into the 50s. I think normally when you look at it. <laughs> well, that's it. That, that's what I mean. So actually, those are kind of good markers, which is if you measure your pulse every morning before training and say if we use yours, for example, and you're kind of like, you know, Monday, you're 46. And then the next day you might be 47 then back down to 46 and then up to 48 and then up to 50, you know, then 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 that's kind of a normal training week for you. And you kind of know that you might get a fluctuation of a, of, of, of a couple of pulse rates. But then actually, if one week you're constantly up at 60, you know, the body's struggling to get the adequate recovery in. And so that's a good big marker. You know, you're getting you're feeling very fatigued, maybe headaches as well needing to eat more, uh, wanting to sleep more. Those are kind of like big markers that you need to take that recovery. Um, and, and as I say, if, you, if you're looking at your training diary, you're doing plenty, filling up plenty of hours of training um, and you're not getting the adequate rest, that's a big sign. If your numbers are going down, you've been training for long periods of time and you're finding there's fluctuations, your pulse rate, even your temperature can be a, a measurement as well. Um, they're all things that say, actually, you know what? You need to take a bit, a bit of a break here. And, and uh, I have to look at the psychological element as well. You know, if, if I remember Chris a couple months ago when, you know, I kind of got, we're talking about the 5Ks as something immeasurable, you know, when you get kind of dip below into the into the 18 minute mark for about two weeks afterwards, I could barely run under 21. Um, and it was just because I put so much effort into that one run. But psychologically, uh, you know, I was like kind of also exhausted because the amount of focus that it took to do that run was huge. And it's the same when you see someone trying to have consistencies throughout the season. You know, you see them win one competition. They might be flying high on adrenaline and then go and win the next one a few weeks later. But over the course of the season, they might take a few dips because the, the emotional energy that's taken to make those performances mean they just can't sustain it over a long period of time. Um, and that's where it becomes a, a game of understanding when to rest your body and to do other supplementary and complementary exercises so is it that actually you know you smash your 5k time you're not going to run for another two weeks but you're going to do speed agility work or you're going to do something else you know resistance band work or something like that because you just need a bit of a change of scenery so there are lots of different markers personally and and what about you, you did you find that you took a bit of a dip after your most recent successful run Oh yeah, I mean, I think I I hit my personal best, which was eighteen thirty eight, and the next one was like twenty two minutes. It, it was, yeah, exactly. It was you know, it's very hard. I you know, I'd actually planned on doing a 
uh, a core workout after that run and actually I just I got back and went no way I'm, I'm just really tired after that I pushed really hard it was very hard you know I just want to sit down <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, I don't blame you I'm I gonna, did I, the same thing I did the same thing I had a pretty much like collapsed on the kitchen floor and laid there for half an hour I think yeah no it was kind of the first time I ran under 19 minutes I, I felt like I wanted to be sick I've now done it four times I think and you know I, I don't feel like that anymore so obviously that's a good indication you know I, I don't I, and you know knowing what it takes to to go that far the first time you do it it's a real shock to the body so that you know kind of going that way and 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 knowing what it feels like and hitting you know the same marker it's a bit like okay i've done that now but enough (laughs) yeah completely i missed that session that's okay that that's a good way to also we need to look at measuring our return to fencing and i think that you know people going down the club also and, and this is a big thing i read something really quite interesting on linkedin the other day which is we should start viewing mental health in the same way that we view physical health which is Going to the idea of going and seeing, you know, your 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 sports psychologist or your psychologist, or your counselor, or your therapist, or even going to a workshop or doing a headspace or whatever it is, or reading a book on psychology, that should be viewed as the same way as going down the gym or going out for a run or, or doing a core session or whatever, because the the mind needs to be looked after in the same way the body does. And and I suppose what I'm trying to say is for people returning to club at the moment, there's going to be many 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 emotional fluctuations that go you've got this huge kind of like oh my god can't wait for this to happen can't wait to go fencing again you've got all this kind of like amazing adrenaline ready to get in there and then you may fence like rubbish and and because you're five months away from the sport and then you get this huge kind of crash and so you kind of go through these micro fluctuations in your brain and so actually you know what you don't want to do is you don't want to be coming away from each session feeling stressed and disappointed and so it's good to start being aware of that early but also logging it and going well actually you know what today out of five you know my head was in a good place I'll, I'll give that about a kind of three three out of five and it's good to start measuring that because also when you're tired at the end, end of the week because returning to fencing is of course going to be exhausting um you know you'd be funny how you might see those psychological markers actually dip towards the end of the week you're getting more frustrated more uh, angry and annoyed at yourself later on in the week when you become more tired and so you're starting to understand and learn and adapt again to what you're seeing um in, in your return to fencing because if you're if you don't look at those marks you don't give yourself evidence you know it might just be you, you then become unaware of why you're feeling so frustrated and angry and it becomes almost a like why is this happening to me i remember you know at leon paul center once i think it was probably on friday because that would make sense and you said god imagine if i could fence on a friday like i do on a monday <laughs> oh god yeah. yeah 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 absolutely absolutely uh, you know it's that, that that that's it and you know training on a friday is very different to training on a monday in any circumstance and whenever it's been and that's why it's really frustrating if you get someone pop in just for for one day a week and they yeah they usually give you a good spanking and you're there going oh this is so frustrating you know but you're just tired and it, it's trying to be more kind to yourself so but overall this this is going to be hopefully a really exciting experience for a lot of people returning to fencing well yeah we have a question that was sent in we haven't had one in a while because we've had so many guests so i i was asked whether if i only had two days a week that i could fence would i choose to do one lesson and one sparring session a week or would i do one lesson a sparring session one week and then the next week two sparring sessions and then kind of alternate basically so you have a lesson every other week uh as the coach do you want to take it what do you think yeah, I mean, look, I think lessons are hugely important. I, I think the relationship between coach and student are really good. And it's really, um, you know, a, a, a partnership that forms over a long period of time. Um, and I think that if if 
you build that relationship with a coach and you you you're able to get so much out of a lesson, I think is the important thing. And we're not just talking a 15, 20 minute club lesson that you might just, you know, get from from one of the coaches of the club. I mean, really kind of a personal coach you work with on a long period of time, you know, having an hour lesson can be equally as good as a three hour sparring session. And so I would say always trying to to, to balance those two things out as good as possible. I mean, it sounds like this person does, li- is literally in this conundrum themselves. And so I think having one quality sparring session and, and one lesson would probably make sense. I, I think the idea of alternating may be um, too much. I think that also you have to look at periodization, which is, you know, getting, if hypothetically we're in a, a time there will be competitions, it would be actually for the first few weeks, you might just want to only do lessons. Um, to get your technique back and then actually for a subsequent month only do fencing and then start to alternate as you get closer to a competition environment for example um so i don't think there's a black and white answer i do think it would be very much depending on the season and and where you are in your preparation but i i I think that it should never just be one or the other it should be fluid and you should chop and change as you as you as you see fit but definitely definitely don't don't sacrifice the lessons that's for sure what about you i couldn't agree more i i think uh, along the same lines, I think probably at the moment with the return to fencing, um, lessons are probably more important than sparring. Um, you know, to again just reinforce good habit, good technique, timing, distance. You know, and so one lesson, one sparring session a week is probably plenty. And as you said, depending on where this person gets to, uh, and you know what they're kind of aiming for and what's on the horizon, then that would change. So you know, I, I think as you kind of ramp up towards a competition if you're you know you have heavy sparring blocks in the same way as you periodize you know weights and fitness technique you know in different parts of the season you would do you would do that as well so i i couldn't agree more i'm actually really pleased you said that because it confirms <laughs> my thinking uh you know we're on the same wavelength yeah nice that was good that's a good question i like that so it has been a been a been a while since we we last released an episode and i think that is probably as the viewers will understand you know life is beginning to move again slowly um but as as we all have i i almost see uh i almost see life at the moment as a bit of a bit of a, a trolley in the supermarket it's kind of been empty for a while in terms of you know, it's been kind of trundling down the aisles and there's been very, very little in it because we haven't been able to do much. And slowly as, as things ramp up, we're putting more and more in it and the, and the trolley basket is getting more and more full. Um, and so trying to, uh, to, to to manage everything and, and learn to remanage everything again means that um, there's there's sometimes never enough hours in the day. So probably going forward, Chris, we're, we're looking to maybe release episodes probably what once a month now, would you say? Yeah, I think once a month is probably quite good, you know, and then maybe we'll review as we go. But I think, as you said, you know, we're, we're both starting to get quite busy and periods of change are always quite hard as well. So this is obviously a period of change. You know, the rules are changing. We're being allowed to kind of go back to fencing and do more and various things. So I, I think, you know, that that'd be be quite good and gives us plenty of time to get great content and more guests. Bring on the guests. Absolutely. And I think also, you know, kind of I know there are some competitions uh, that have been proposed in the calendar and you know are are kind of have been to have that well not not they're not in in the calendar in concrete um but they are they were they were things that were proposed um and so i know the fie are reviewing those constantly um and there there could be a chance they go ahead but there also could be a chance they're cancelled as well and so you know we're just having to constantly monitor that as well and and so I think, you know, as we as we move forward with this, we'll hopefully be able to update people as as we learn more and as the community learns more and and how we're preparing and 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 yeah, navigating this um this minefield that is the, the COVID year. Yeah, definitely. 
yeah, it's been nice to get back to uh, to fencing again, and I'm and I'm and I'm I'm also looking forward to everyone to also to get that uh, that feeling. So don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Fenced In Podcast, and we'd be so grateful if you could help us reach more listeners. All you have to do is go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and rate, review, and subscribe. It would mean the world to us, and it's how iTunes decides which podcasts are worth sharing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Get in contact, guys, as well. We love hearing from you, and anything that we can make better, give us a shout. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And yeah, as, as we say, get in contact with us. We love hearing from you, and tell us how we can make this even better, and we're, we're looking forward to our, our, our next release. Till next time, guys. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. The Fenced In podcast has been created in association with J4G Design your one-stop user experience agency for all things digital, websites, graphic design, and technical support.